everybody. If you do not know me, my name is McKenna, and I am really, really, woohoo! All right, thank you, John. My biggest support right there. Um, I am super excited to be giving the message tonight, and um, I have actually, looking back, I have been a serving as a youth leader here for three years, and I have been living here for about three years, so. It's just pretty amazing how quickly time goes by. Um, but this is actually the first sermon that I've been able to preach, so that is exciting. All right, just going to get my Bible app up here. Um, I'm just going to pray again, doubly, double blessing over tonight. God, thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to preach tonight. I just pray that you would just speak through me, and if I totally botch everything up, that the message would still come out loud and clear, and that these kids will feel loved and empowered tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so a couple months ago, John preached a sermon. I wasn't actually there, but he did a little survey of you guys asking who said that they were Christian, or who wasn't sure yet, or who was not, and like, I don't know, like 98% of you said that you were Christian, and so that's really amazing. How awesome is that? And we thought, or I should say more Caitlin and Isaac thought, that it would be good if we started preaching some messages on how to equip you to go out and preach the gospel and to be strong Christians. And this is very exciting because, you know, you grad, you've graduated a little bit from taking in the milk. You know, I have a 10-month-old, right? And he just drinks milk from—or he did just drink milk from when he was uh, born to about six months. And then about six months, we started feeding him solid food. So when you graduate out of that milk stage and you move on to— eating some solids, maybe it's pureed, but you're still eating some actual food, then that's good. You're growing, you're getting stronger, you're getting better. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next six weeks. We're going to be talking on the passage from Ephesians 6, and that is the armor of God. Who has heard of that passage? By raise of hands. Woohoo! All right, a lot of you, a lot of you over here, at least have heard of it, but that's okay. We're going to go over it, you guys, who haven't heard of it. So I am going to start by reading. So it, it is in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. I'll wait for it to come up here on the screen. Do, do, do. All right. Okay. And this in the, uh, the NIV is what I'm reading. Is that what you got up there? All right, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sorry, turn that off. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, the words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Okay, I have some candy. Can I get this verse taken off? Just want to review. There's six armor of God. Who can tell me one of them? Don't look. Okay, we'll start over here. The shield of, it's not quite the Lord. The shield of faith. Good job. I'll just throw it to you. That's okay. We'll have some action in here. Breastplate of righteousness. Good job. Okay, that's two. Okay, I'm going to go over here. Helmet of Salvation. Is that that's right, right? Okay, who else have we got? <laughs> did did you have one? Huh? Anyone else? What do we have? Was that three? Okay. Do you know which is? Good job. Okay, we got two more. Two more. One of them is a real wordy one. Okay, John? belt of truth. Do you want one of these or no? Okay. Ready to go? Way back? <laughs> okay, Sam. Shoes of peace. The shoes that are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Peace shoes. Oh, gotcha. Okay, one more question. In the in the passage that I read, Paul gives a clue where he is. Does anybody, did anybody catch that clue? Where is Paul when he's writing this? I saw, you have a guess? He was in chains, which means he was in prison. He was in prison. It says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, the words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. An ambassador means someone who gives messages back and forth. Pretty sure that's what it means. Um, so basically, he is in chains for spreading the gospel. Good catch. Good catch. So... This is all about the armor. What do you think? Got one more. Um, where do you think that he got his inspiration for this passage? Himself? That's not. I wasn't going to go there. 
Nope. Nope. He would be he would be seeing it, perhaps. The soldiers, but his guard, right? He's all sitting there in chains and like this, this passage is just a preface. The a lot of the times in the gospels, a lot of the books we have are letters. Uh, letters that leaders in the church would write to different groups of people in churches. And so this is a letter to a specific people. Um, Ephesus. Ephesus? Uh, I think that's right. Um, so the Ephesians in Ephesus or whatever. I don't know if that's right. But yeah, so he's just sitting there writing his letter, writing out some instructions to these people. And he's all like looking over at the guard being like, man, that makes a great analogy. Now I'm going to use that. Well, anyway, so what is, what is he saying in the first part before he gets to the armor? I'm just going to reread, reread that part, verse 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. What is he saying? Sometimes the Bible is like, what? You read it, and you're like, what? Well, have any of you... Have any of you seen Lord of the Rings? So good. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And when I read this first part, I'm thinking of Return of the King, when they're the last time they fight, and Aragorn is like on his horse, and he's riding back and forth, like all the troops are lined up, and he's all giving them this inspiration, inspirational speech. He's all like, there will be a day where we will fall, and the day is not that day. And he is like, he's calling them to arms. He's like, get, get here and fight. Stand up. We got this. He's all pep-talking them into fighting. So that's what Paul's doing in this first part. Get up, come on. It's a call to arms. And it's a call together as a group and individually. It says that the day, uh, it says in verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It doesn't say if the day of evil comes. It says when the day of evil comes. Guys, it's coming. Well, and I mean, like I would argue that we experience days of evil all the time. We're getting attacked. It talks in this passage about the arrows, the fiery arrows of the evil one trying to get you. And so we know that we're going to be in a battle whether we like it or not. The day of evil will come. Not if, when. But here's the key. Here's the key difference between, let's say, Aragorn in the return of the king calling his people to battle, and us. The key difference is this, and it's shown in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty 
power. You see, it's not our battle, actually. It's God's battle. Stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We don't need, he, Paul's not like, okay, guys, you be strong in yourselves and everything's going to be fine. No, that would be a disaster. It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power because it is his battle. And I have another piece of good news for you too. He already won it. He already won it. Wow, that's awesome. Our job, and what Paul's saying here, he says it over and over again, stand firm, stand your ground. Can I get um, 1 Corinthians 15, 57? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. That's not it, but I'll wait a second. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives it to us. Jesus did it already. One more verse, John 16, 33. Well, that's not the last verse, actually, but for right a second. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. It's right there. In this world, you will have trouble. You will be, get, you will get some darts thrown at you. You will have some trouble, but God has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world, and he did that by dying on the cross, as I know most of you know. So why is he saying stand firm? He's saying protect your territory, because Satan wants to get in there, and he wants to rob you of your territory that God has given you. So our job is to strap on our armor and stand firm. It's, it's coming. The fiery darts are coming. They're shooting you. They're shooting you all the time. Shooting you all the time. Whether they hit you or not, that is the question. That is the question. Okay. Is Satan scared of us, just us humans? I, I wouldn't really say that he was scared of us. Um, but when we stand firm in God, I would say that he is terrified. Oh my gosh. Why do you think that it doesn't say, Satan's going to slash you, or he's going to stab you? Why? Because that's too close range. He doesn't want to be close. To, he, he can't even. It's not his territory. He can't be stabbing you, just metaphorically, right? For the purposes. Not literally. He can't be stabbing you. He's got to stand back and hide behind the bush and shoot his arrow. He's scared. He's scared. When you stand strong and rooted in God and in his power, can't, he can't hurt you. He's scared of you. Okay, well, so what happens when we don't use the armor of God to protect us, to protect our territory? What happens? I'm going to tell you. Mm. What happens is the fiery darts, they hit us, 
but when they do, you're not like, ah, a dart. Like, that's not, that's not how it works. Like, our struggle is against flesh, or it's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so the stuff, the darts, like, we can't see them. Okay, so how does it manifest? It manifests like, I woke up this morning and I have this crippling anxiety about my test. And I can't function because I have anxiety about my test and it's distracting me. Or I am really, really angry at my sibling for just being themselves. How annoying. Or any number of things can attack us. Even, not even like anger or anxiety, it could just be like, <sighs> confession time. Last night, I got a ticket, and I got a ticket for expired tags, and oh, it just put me in like a, such a bad mood, and this morning I woke up and I was like, oh, got a ticket, I hate that, I have to pay money, and it's like, there's like examples, like Satan was like throwing darts at me, being like, okay, you're going to mess up today because you're super angry about your ticket, but no, okay, I'm going to put up my Shield. I'm not actually talking about the shield, but. Um, okay, and so when we get hit and we're like bleeding out from, <clears throat> and we're bleeding out from these arrows that we don't realize are arrows, but they're things that are manifesting in our lives. Um, what we try to do oftentimes, because it's uncomfortable, nobody likes to be bleeding out with arrows. No, that's not good. Okay, metaphorically, again. But, um, so we try to use our own strength to fix things. We make New Year's resolutions, and we can just all talking. Please stop. It's very distracting. I would like listening, not talking. So we try to do other things. We do affirmations. We do all number of things, goals or whatever, to try to fix things. But it's not really fixing the problem. It's more like treating a symptom. It's like if you got an infection and the doctor was like, here, just take some Tylenol and your infection, it'll feel better. You won't feel as bad. But then your infection is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse because you're not actually getting the antibiotics you need to fix the problem, to get rid of the infection. So there's an example of this that I was reading in my research, and it is this a, what they used to do at mental health hospitals, before they would release patients, they would do the, a test on them. And they would take them in to a janitor's closet, say. But before they took them in, they would turn on the faucet, and they would let the water overflow and flood the janitor's closet. And they would give the person a mop and say, mop it up. And they would watch what they would do. What they were watching for? They were watching to see if the person would mop up the floor or they would turn off the faucet. And if they didn't turn off the faucet, that told the, pers the workers that the patient was not ready to be released because they weren't rooted in reality. They only saw the symptom, which was the overflowing water. And, and it's like that in our lives. Like if we're not rooted in reality, that something is going on beyond the symptoms, 
we're just going to be freaking mopping up water and it's never going to stop. You're going to be flooded. No, that's not good. Okay, so I tonight, and I know that was a really long introduction, but I am speaking on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, historically, the sword was called gladius. It is a two-edged cut and thrust sword, and it is a short sword, like a dagger. Now, why, why wouldn't it be like a spear or a big broadsword, you know, to really cut down your enemy? Well, I was listening in a sermon, and someone, um, Bill Johnson, and he said that they used this dagger when they were in battle to cut out flaming arrows, maybe not flaming, but to cut out arrows when they got hit. So it's actually very fitting that we use the last, um, the last piece of armor that Paul mentions as the first one here tonight in the series, because I'm sure if you haven't been using the armor of God, that you've got some arrows sticking in you. So we've got to use it to dig those out. But how? How do we do that? You are in luck. I'm going to tell you. It says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What? 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 What does that mean? The Word of God. What is the Word of God? In the Greek, the phrase means the divine utterance of speech or the word that came from God. Okay, there are three examples of the word of God that I want to share with you tonight. But hey, what is the most obvious one? Who said that? Who was the first one that said that? The Bible. Yeah, sorry, sorry. The Bible is the first one that I want to talk about. It is uh, the written word, the written word of God. And fortunately for me, Jesus sets a perfect example of this in the Gospels. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. I'm just going to turn there myself. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Okay, so to set this up, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So Jesus, every day, all day, is talking to people. He's preaching, he's talking with his disciples, his homies, and he needs a break. He needs some solitude. And he goes out into the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And I don't know about you, but if I go two hours past a meal, I'm, like, very hangry. Is anybody else like that? I'm like, you just get, oh, like, I'm hungry, so now I'm grumpy at everyone, and the world is against me. So I'm sure that the fiery darts would not be, would, would hit me easily. I'm an easy target when I'm hungry. I don't have to be. But I can't imagine what it would be like being gone, being going without food. Sorry, 
for 40 days and 40 nights, and he is getting tempted by Satan. Okay, so Satan comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So right out of the gate, Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is from Deuteronomy 8.3. See, when Jewish boys who are little, they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They called it the Torah. So he has this, he has this locked in his mind. He's got it memorized. He's got it ready. So he uses his sword. He goes, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, so does Satan go away? No, he tries again. He tries another method. He takes him to Jerusalem and takes him to the highest point in the temple and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Okay, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So that's number two. Okay, does he quit now? No, he does it a third time. He takes Jesus to a mountaintop. It says, look, Jesus, look at everything you see. Here am I. All this splendor, it said, and showed him, okay, I'm just going to read it. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. What I want to point out from that is that Jesus was tempted more than one time. If you have a scripture verse, you're speaking over yourself, you know, you maybe have to do it two or three times before, before the devil goes away, gets away. <clears throat> Jesus wielded his sword, and I don't really think that he ever had the need to cut out an arrow from himself, but I do think that he demonstrated what it would be for a Christian to do that in this passage. Um, okay, so the second, the second word of God would be the word of the Spirit in a critical moment. Okay, what, is, what, what does that mean? Can we get John 10, 27 through 28 up, please? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. Okay, are you listening? God wants to speak to you. He wants to tell you things. Not only does he want to use the Bible to tell you things, give you knowledge about himself, give you inspiration in the moment, but he wants to speak to you. A few months back, uh, maybe like half a year ago, I had gone through a really, really rough time in my life, and I was trying, 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 trying. I was journaling and reading the scripture, and nothing was getting better, and I was just praying all the time, and I was so discouraged. Right? I was letting this darts get at me because I was really discouraged. And I was in worship at Overflow, and I just heard God tell me, I'm proud of you. 
I'm proud of you for the way that you handled yourself in this situation, and you did a good job. And that was God's word to me. And then I took that encouragement, and I walked away from there. And every time that I started thinking, man, I just, I suck. (laughs) I'm not good enough. I don't do good enough for my life to change or whatever lies that I was believing at the moment. But then I would remember that God said he was proud of me. He said I did a good job. He said I did a good job. And I held on to that. And we hold on to that. Okay, Jeremiah 33, 3, please. It's all good. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you the great and unsearchable things you do not know. Guys, call on him and he's going to answer you. Even if you're not calling on him, I wasn't calling on him when I was laying over there and he told me that word. But he spoke to me and he has I, he has answered me when I've called on him many times and encouraged me. God is good. He will speak to you personally. Thirdly, another word of God would be words of knowledge from other people. Okay, uh, can I get 1 Corinthians 12.8 up, please? First Corinthians twelve eight. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. So God gifts some people, and really he gifts all of us, with the ability to listen to him for another person. Okay, so I'm praying... And I feel like God has a message for grace. And I just, in faith, I say, okay, God, I'm going to give this message to grace. And I hope it speaks to her. And he does. He gives us messages. I, myself, have encountered many times where I've been really discouraged. And people in my life, mentors in my life, my friends have said, you know what, I feel like God has this to say in your life right now. And I've taken that, and it has encouraged me very much. And what you want to do with these words is you want to take those words that people have given you and pray about them. Ask God, God, is this for me? You know. You know, God. Is this for me? Okay? And you can hang on to them. You can hang on to those words, all three of those things. What are they? What's the first one? The written word. What's the second one? What's the third one? Another person. You guys listening? Words of knowledge from other people. Okay, 
We're going to do it again, all together. What's the first one? The written word, the Bible. Okay, what's the second one? Word of the Spirit in a critical moment. Sorry, I didn't expect you to memorize that, but basically, God speaking to you. And the third one. Yes, words of knowledge from other people. Can I get Hebrews 4.12 up there, please? Where the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So isn't it interesting that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two, than any double-edged sword, which is exactly what we're talking about. It's the same thing. We have double-edged sword here talking about is the word of God. This says the word of God is live and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So what does it mean to have the word of God be alive? The word of God is not just your Bible with the words on the page sitting by your bedside or dusting on your shelf or right beside you right now. It is alive. It is when you take a verse or a word of the Spirit or of the Word of God to you in a critical moment or the words of knowledge from other people and you yield it like your sword to your benefit, to make you strong, to help you stand your ground. It is alive. It is a very, very, very powerful just how powerful is it? Can I get Proverbs 18.21 up on the screen, please? The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, this isn't just talking about the way you talk to your mom or your brother or your friend or your enemy. It is also talking about the way you talk to yourself. Okay, if you are talk, if you get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're going to fail your test that day, guess what? You're, you're producing bad fruit. You're going to, and you're going to eat it. You're going to, if you don't, if you don't speak life to yourself, you're going to be eating that rotten fruit. And sometimes what does that look like? Well, you failed your test. Ooh. Okay, but if you speak life to yourself, you will eat good fruit that makes you strong and healthy. Okay? All right. So there is so much life in the tongue and so much life in what you speak to yourself, what you declare over yourself. And I want you to understand very clearly, this is talking about, I am talking about, at least, the words of God. The written word, the word of the spirit. Any, any positive things you say to yourself is going to be good. But the words of knowledge from other people. Speak those over to yourself. Over yourself. And it's going to bring you so much life. It's going to, you, you have anxiety and you speak, uh, what is that verse? Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication, bring it to the Lord. Is that right, John? About, okay. Um, you speak that verse over to yourself when you feel anxious. 
You're going to bring life to yourself. You're going to be taking that dagger and you're going to be digging out that arrow. You're going to be protecting yourself. You're not going to bleed out anymore. You're going to be getting to the root of the problem. Okay, well that is pretty much all of my sermon. But I believe we are going to be getting into groups. And I have texted out questions to the leaders. And uh, But before we get going... Um, I have prepared these packets of scripture verses for you guys, and they are just verses that I thought would be really good for us all to look through and just think about, and perhaps you can use these to your benefit in your life. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, instead of telling yourself something that means you hate yourself, Tell yourself something that God says about you, and he loves you. God, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity that I've gotten and that it is over now. I just praise you and thank you for allowing me not to fall flat on my face. I just pray that the words that you've spoken through me would really drive home and that these young people would go away feeling more equipped to bring life to themselves and life to those around them. Again, thank you for being so good and so kind to us. In Jesus' name, amen.